0: and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to Jana from London. She's an expert on entrepreneurial finance and she provides advice and guidance to startup and uh, small business owners on how to manage their finances and uh, we're going to learn more about why is it important how you can do it in an efficient way when you're trying to scale up of course you focus on your technology on your product many many things you have to do and finance sometimes is something that you do on a friday afternoon but as you grow it's going to be more and more important so why not to learn more about how you can set it up efficiently for your scale-up and grow from there. So welcome, Jana. How are you today?
1: Thank you so much for having me, Rudy. Um, I'm great. Um, and yeah, it's very exciting to be here. So thank you again.
0: I know that you run a company called Tiny CFO. So maybe let's explain the name, why Tiny? And uh, how did you get to, uh, get to do it?
1: Yeah, so um, where it started was that I was doing finance and strategy consulting for startups That were at around Series B and beyond, um, as well as some corporates. And I was just mentoring early stage startups and small businesses on the side. And what I found Mm -hmm. out through that uh, mentoring was that they had a lot of the questions that were quite similar and were quite basic in some way, which is completely understandable as they were new to the topic of finance. And so, um, as these questions were coming up repeatedly, I just couldn't always find the right resources that would be clear enough and explain these things in a way that doesn't require prior knowledge of finance. So that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. And I just decided to start writing about finance for small businesses and startups in a way that's really digestible and um, easy to understand. So that's, uh, that's what triggered the incorporation of Tiny CFO.
0: Right. So you launch a newsletter called Tiny CFO, right? And, uh, and you also advise them the startups.
1: Yes, exactly. So a big part of what I do or the, the main part for now is writing about it and spreading the word. Um, so that's a, that's a huge uh, activity for me. And then I also take on individual clients from anything from a few hours a month to more of a traditional part-time CFO roles. And then I help them with wherever they are on this journey. The reason for that and the reason for the name Tiny CFO is that part time CFO traditionally is actually quite a big role. And so it takes a while to get to the point where you're ready to hire that kind of person. So, why I call my company Tiny CFO is because I am quite happy and very excited to come in much earlier, even if it just means ad hoc consultations, a few hours a month. I want to work with companies that see the value in this type of advisory service and then actually help grow with them.
0: So what do you think the founders should focus on with regard to their finances from the, from the get-go?
1: The most important thing from the get-go is just knowing what your cash burn is and when you're running out of money. That's because if you run out of money and it's completely unforeseen for you, it's going to be really difficult to you know, do anything else and it may actually just kill the company so this is really important obviously you can't uh, manage the whole company on only tracking the cash flow but i think it's very very important to really keep track of that and then the other thing that is not after that but really alongside is to know the unit economics of anything any product that you're launching um so really understanding whether for example for each of the unit that you sell whether you're losing $2 or you're earning $2 in profit and right. that really helps you then understand well if i sell a million of those will it be will it mean that i will earn 2 million or will it mean that i will be losing 2 million so i think that's really important and then you know if you're consistently cash flow positive or if you're really having a very firm grasp of your cash flow And then you have also a very healthy unit economics, you can make a lot of other mistakes, and you'll still be around to fix them.
0: All right. So, but let's start from the beginning. What is the difference between the startup and an SME or a small business uh, for you? Right? And... uh, Let's focus on the what matters. Uh, you know, in this podcast is the finance.
1: The main difference is uh, in growth. So Y Combinator says that you know five to seven percent per week is solid startup growth, and small businesses really tend to go a little bit slower than that. And that's usually because small businesses tend to not be also funded by venture capital. They tend to bootstrap. They tend to iterate as they go. In a sense that you know, this sort of growth rate would not be easily achievable in that sort of model. However, this also implies that startups usually offer scalable solutions to massive problems. Otherwise, this growth wouldn't be achievable, not in a consistent manner for a long time. So what can also be the difference is that as a small business, maybe you have a very specific niche And it doesn't have to be a huge market, there is enough of a market to build a good company, but not necessarily enough of a market to build a unicorn. But for startups, that's really crucial that they're solving something big enough that they actually can achieve the scale that we have in mind when we talk about startups. I think an important thing to mention is that you can have a great SME, which is not a startup, and it's doing well, it's growing, it's profitable. It's a great model and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just very good to know which one do you have or which one are you aiming for? Are you aiming for a startup or are you aiming for a more traditional small business? As this has implications for lots of other things, for your business operations, for finance and the type of capital that you will be raising, if at all, uh, for hiring and so on.
0: All right, and so which issues do you see in entrepreneurial finance uh, You know, that come from your practice or from your experience?
1: So I think the number one thing is not necessarily a finance issue, but it's a mindset issue, which is when founders really don't care and think that it's not important to look at the numbers or understand them. (laughs) You know, sometimes they only start caring when it's too late, when they're running out of money, but literally in that moment or in that month when they're running out of money, that's when they start caring or when they really need to apply for a loan or something like that, and they realize that they don't have the documentation needed or they don't have the answers to the questions that the providers will ask them. so I think that's a that's a really big problem and I understand that um, I understand that you know sometimes uh, people tell me they don't really consider themselves good with numbers, which is a myth by the way. I think uh, if you're able to run a company, if you're able to launch products you're definitely smart enough to um, figure out the basics of your company finances um, sometimes they think that other things are always more important and of course other things are very important you have to have a product you have to have a good product you have to have good distribution for that product but it's just that finance is also I think on par with those other main things to focus on. And then, you know, sometimes they leave it to the accountant and assume it's taken care of, or they a bit overwhelmed and procrastinate. So I think this is what makes a big difference, whether you're a founder who's willing to learn about these things and get good at it, or whether you're a founder who doesn't really want to engage with the financial aspect of running your company.
0: All right. So understood the mind- mindset is the first thing, which is, you know, you need to realize that it's important and then you need to embrace it and sort it out. So, but if you don't have that mindset, Let's uh, cherry pick some of the examples. What can go wrong, right? Uh, and for example, that could be, as you said, let's just leave it to an accountant, and then what, what can go wrong, right? When you do it like this, uh, I heard of cases where people were just uh, throwing receipts into one bag. It was years ago, though. Then they called an accountant to sort it out, but then, that accountant was freaking out to put it all together. <laughs> so that could be one example. What sort of other issues have you seen? And uh, and then also that's not uh, let's not just be defensive but also proactive right like if i get it right how can that be beneficial for my business and for the growth
1: yeah perfect so uh, as you as you mentioned the sort of poorly maintained books and financial records is a big problem so even if it's uh done by an accountant, an accountant usually needs some feedback from the business, they usually need whoever is responsible for the finances at the higher level, which is at this point, usually the founder, but in other companies, it may be the CFO to have a look at how things are recorded to understand whether it's set up in a way that reflects the business model. Um, And what happens when there is no management of the accountant or when the founder doesn't engage with the accountant is that the accountant goes with his best guess or with what is legally the minimum to do. So uh, to really make sure that you're able to uh, submit your tax return, but not really thinking about how to run the numbers in a way that's super helpful in terms of informing your business decisions. So that is, I think, uh, the problem. And then sometimes you have poorly maintained books. And it just doesn't really tell you anything that you could use to run the business better. And then when things go really, uh, really well, well, you are able to glance at your KPIs and know exactly how many people you should hire when at what salary levels and what salary levels you can afford, you are able to predict your growth, you are able to say, well, this, these are our sales KPIs, and this is the sales that result of those being met. Therefore, if we replicate this ten times, we know exactly what it will do to our sales. And so, you're able to forecast where you're going, and you're able to know that you're on the right track as you go, and you're able to course correct also when things are not looking um, as you know as well as you expected them to. And I think that's a huge, huge benefit to the business because you actually Feel in control, and you can clearly see it from the numbers.
0: Right. I mean, it comes back to the mindset as well, and I think it reminds me also, kind of repositioning of finance departments in big companies last few years. Right, when all the finance departments were saying, "Well, we're not just a control function, or uh, you know, being counters here or what have you, but we are an advisory function." But in a start startup setting this has even a lot more impact immediately, right? So as you said, if you do look at the KPIs and you do something right and replicate it 10 times, here is your growth, right? So that's great. But uh, let's dig into this a little bit more. You kind of already talked about it. Uh, Why not to leave it all, all to the accountant, right? So what if I'm a small company and there is not that much to do in terms of finance? It's literally just a few hours a week. So why to have somebody who is a bit more well rounded. Yes, but uh, there's not enough for them to do. So why don't I just outsource the the admin stuff to them? And uh, that's that.
1: Yeah, so I like to use a metaphor of handwashing versus exercise. So just maintaining your books well is a bit like hand washing. It's very important for you to stay healthy, but it won't make you fit on its own. Um, and then strategic financial management is more like exercise and it makes a huge difference for how fit you will be. So that's the difference between running a more strategic financial function and just doing the bare basics of accounting.
0: All right. So what do you think the best practice finance function for startups looks like?
1: The CFO role of the future is very strategic. It really creates value for the business rather than just keep score. But to get there, you need a few things in place first. It starts with the basics, the accounting done well. Then you need to automate all the finance ops that you can. So the finance operations, the routine tasks that every business needs to do. Today, maybe 80% of it can be automated depending on your business and specifically what tasks are happening there. For To do that, you leverage tech tools as much as possible for all the routine things and then to try focus human capital only on forecasting and strategic financial insights and i think the finance function of the future is one where you have not necessarily many people in it but the ones that are there are really focused on value adding activities everything else is automated and it's something the whole function is something that really makes the business more successful increases revenues increases profits help make the right decisions as opposed to just keep score of what was in the past
0: right so let's think about forecasting Um, and that maybe comes to the point where some people say well the startup game is a roulette and some people think no you can actually it's a learning vehicle and you can learn from this and multiply your successes and avoid the losses going forward and that's how you grow that's related to forecasting so you know can you automate that forecasting process somehow can you make it more efficient though or do you need to like revise it every every five minutes if you live in the starter world
1: So I think you touched on a very important um, topic uh, in what you just said which is experimentation and being open to it and of course you need to experiment to find out what works you need to see, You know, what kind of product uh, works for your target customers? You need to be able to iterate. You need to be able to learn from that. You need to understand how to sell that product. And that is definitely closely linked to experimentation. Where forecasting really comes into play is that once you have a bit of an understanding of what works, then you can really understand how to grow it, how to replicate it. Even if you're not 100% sure. And of course, you know, I don't have a crystal ball and it's very hard to know exactly what will happen in the future down to the decimal point. But you are able to have some understanding and model out different scenarios with the numbers and see if we believe that this is true, then this is what will happen in the future. And we can plan around it. We can resource. We can plan our resources around it. We can do things that will help us get there. In terms of automating the forecasting, I haven't so far seen a solution that would do this well. But if you're listening and you have one, please let me know as I would love to trial it. Uh, Usually, the problem that I saw was that the tools just extrapolate existing trends. So I will give you an everyday example, uh, if I may. If I gained 10% of my weight last year, me as a person, does it mean that I will keep gaining 10% each year from now on until I weigh about 800 kilos at age 60? So of course not. That's, That's probably not going to happen. I may look for underlying health issues that caused the the increase in the first place. I may address them. I may decide to eat differently this year and stop the increase that way or even reverse it. There are all sorts of things that I can do to change that trajectory. And so that's the same with your business. So you don't forecast just business as usual, but you also need to forecast your initiatives, your improvements, anything that you want to start doing differently in the future. And so from what I understand and from what I've seen, the automated forecasting tools don't really allow for that or not easily. And it's very hard for AI to kind of just predict things that it can't see from the data so far. So I think the tools and the automation is great for routine tasks. But so far, I don't think it replaces the thinking and the sort of strategic financial management.
0: All right. So let's say I'm a founder and I'm sold on your arguments that uh, I start to believe that uh, finance is important. So uh, can I manage this? Uh, or can the co-founders manage the whole finance function as you describe on their own.
1: Yeah, so I think that's a, that's a very good question. In terms of um, learning the basics, I think you can definitely do that. It's uh, something I would uh, recommend people do, uh, which is why I launched Tiny CFO in the first place to make these things more common knowledge for people who don't have finance background. So that's great at the start. Then as a founder CEO, you have the ultimate responsibility for your company's finances, even if you have an accountant. So it's very important that you keep track of the most important things because ultimately, you know, the buck stops with you. It's not uh, somebody else's fault. If your company fails, it is your fault. So it is important that you keep In touch with those things but as the company grows it will become more complex everything gets more complex as the company grows finances get more complex as well so ultimately you will have a very high level somewhat superficial knowledge of these things And it is important to hire people who are professionals who can focus on this 100% while your 100% focus is on running the business as a whole, not necessarily on this particular function alone.
0: Right. So when should you then hire a CFO? When is the right time for for a startup?
1: In general, it's uh, very hard to say, but I have yet to meet someone who said they hired a CFO too soon. Um, And (laughs) I use this... You know, I use the term CFO quite vaguely. Some companies would earlier on, they would call it an FD or a VP of finance. I don't think it necessarily matters what you call it, but it's someone in a strategic finance capacity. The more ambitious the company is in terms of growth, the sooner you need to hire that person. Because if you're going super fast, even if you're quite small today, you may be much bigger tomorrow. And then if it's messy in the, the financial management of the company and the mess starts piling up, the growth will make things very unmanageable very quickly. It's sort of like leaving one dirty plate in the sink. And that's not as big of a deal as not doing your dishes for a year. So it's kind of similar to that. So I'd say around Series A is definitely not too early. Earlier can be a good idea too. Um, you can hire one part-time and the sooner you do, the cheaper it may be because of the volume of work will be lower. And maybe some automations will be put in place before it becomes unmanageable or prohibitively time consuming to clean it all up. I think if you don't have any sort of product market fit yet, maybe that's too early. Uh, Maybe it makes sense to first figure out what it is that you're selling and to who. But then again, if you already have an investment while you're figuring it out, it makes sense to make sure that that investment is spent wisely to really take the company to some semblance of product market fit,
0: right? Great, great to hear. So well, my last uh, couple of questions are about how do you collaborate with the partners in the ecosystem? Maybe how do you source your uh, business? Or how do you help others? Right? I mean, of course, we talked about the newsletter. Last uh, 12 months have been quite difficult on uh, in person meetings, right? So how do you go about this? And then Obviously, where do interested parties reach you and find out more about what you do and how you can help them?
1: Yeah, so before I launched Tiny CFO, most of my work was coming in through word of mouth. So somebody I worked with before would recommend uh, me personally to someone else. And that's how I would uh, get uh, inbound uh, requests. Then I launched Tiny CFO and I started um, having some uh, people, founders reach out to me based on the newsletter, or I was on different podcasts and they would kind of hear about my services that way. In general, I'm always interested in connecting with incubators, accelerators, entrepreneur networks, as well as other content creators who are interested in highlighting the topic of entrepreneurial finance. My goal right now is really to make these things as widely understood as possible so that we have more thriving companies around that don't go out of business but really achieve their goals and more. So yes, in order to get in touch with me or have a look at tiny CFO. The website is tiny-cfo.com and hello at tinycfo.com is the email address and that's where you can find me and um, I would be happy to help if I can.
0: Great, well, thank you very much, Jana, and good luck.
1: Thank you so much for having me, bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com